What's going on, Brickstackers? As always, I'm your host, Alex Hellman, and I'm back with a brand new episode of Stacking the Bricks. If this is your first time joining us, this is a show about the small steps, the small wins, and the lessons learned along the way from real people that have started businesses selling products online. And if you're not new to the show, thanks for keeping us in your feed. It's been a while since an episode, but I am so excited to be able to tell you that although we've been on a bit of a hiatus, the show is back. And we're kicking things off with an awesome episode with one of our alumni named Dave Sedia. He's the author of an ebook called Pure React and has made quite a name for himself in the React world. But it didn't quite start out that way. Dave had aspirations of selling products, but between the tactics and techniques that he had found online, nothing had quite worked for him. But now he's got a product for sale, his audience loves it, and he's going to tell you about all the little steps that he learned along the way. Now again, this is a new episode of Stacking the Bricks, and I'm excited to tell you that there are new episodes coming. So if you are not already subscribed to this show, now's the time to do it. Go ahead, hit subscribe, add us, and the next episode is coming out very, very soon. A behind the scenes with one of our star alum, Brennan Dunn. You might have heard of him from his new app, writemessage.io, or his empire of products for freelancers at wyourfreelancing.com. But back in the early days when we first met Brennan, we had to talk him out of trying to build an app that was like Airbnb for home-cooked meals. Yeah, not a very good idea. Well, a lot changed along the way, and honestly, nobody executes like Brennan, so you've got so much you can learn from him. That episode comes out in two weeks, so make sure you're subscribed. But without further ado, I want to get into today's episode with Dave Sedia. Hey, what's going on, Dave? Thanks for joining us on Stacking the Bricks. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Alex. Super excited. Well, I know we've got a lot of things we want to talk about today, but uh, before we get into that, I'd love for you to introduce yourself to the listeners of the show. Tell us a little bit about who you are, what you do. You know, if you're out meeting new people, how do you describe what you do for a living? So usually I introduce myself as a software engineer. Um, that's kind of my, that's my day job. And then, you know, depending on the audience, maybe I'll say I also have a blog and I write about, you know, I write about software, I write about React. I wrote a book, that kind of thing. When when folks hear that you've got a blog or written a book, do they do they have more questions about that or do they have expectations? Yeah, the the blog doesn't turn a lot of heads, but the book usually does. People are like, oh, you wrote a book? Interesting. Yeah. We're going to talk more about the book and how you wrote the book and who you wrote the book for and how you launched it. But I want to sort of rewind the clock a little bit. What I really want to know is what drew you to doing product to begin with? You said you're a software engineer, you've got a day job. What was attractive about products to you? So my first job out of college was was this place where people tended to stay for a long time. It was a government contractor. People would stay for their entire careers. And it was a really good place. People would retire there. And one day my office mate asked me like, Dave, are you a lifer? And I was like, no, no, I don't think I'm a lifer. And he was like, yeah, you are. And so that sort of started me on this path of thinking like, oh, I should be more intentional with what I'm doing. And um, one of his random pieces of advice was like, you should go back to school and get an MBA. And then you'll have your like software engineer plus MBA. So I think I did a little bit of research, stumbled upon the personal MBA, which was Josh Kaufman's thing before he wrote a book, like just a, a reading list back then. And so I think that led me to the four hour work week. And so I sort of had this idea of like, I'd love to have more freedom and um, products seemed like the way to do that. Okay, so freedom, that's a thing that comes up a lot for folks that we talk to on this show and a lot of our students. But I'm curious what it actually meant to you. You know, did you have a image in mind of what that freedom actually looked like? Yeah, so I think, you know, freedom to me, I think means kind of freedom with my own time. 
I've never been a big traveler. I think a lot of people are into, you know, freedom to, to location independence and that kind of thing. But I'm really, I've never, I think I've never really wanted to have a full-time job. So it's really for you, it's being in control of your time, what you're working on with your time. Yeah, that's about right. I think I, I, I really like that idea of not trading hours for dollars and products decouples those things. Yeah. All right. So you knew you were interested in freedom and you had a pretty good idea that products were part of the equation. Did you have some early attempts at trying to create and sell products? Um, yeah. So I, I had a couple little projects that didn't result in any sales. Um, I had a lot of sort of uh, a lot of projects that kind of started and didn't go anywhere. The first project I attempted was this thing called Foghorn that would look at eBay and then give you like search alerts based on things you were looking for. And uh, so around that time, I had found the don't break the chain idea, that idea of like making X's on a calendar and kind of like once you get this long chain of um, successes, you don't want to break it. So you keep going, right? So I got like 200 days into that project, did actually ship it. And so it felt like a huge accomplishment. But at the end, I didn't have any any way to sell it. And and also like breaking that chain really hurt. I think that really really killed my motivation. So that kind of that kind of died off. And then I um, at some point I started a blog called Design with Dave. So it was sort of my first attempt at like content marketing. And this was uh, since I was a developer and I wanted to learn more about design. I thought like, hey, I'll learn like while blogging about it. I got up to like twenty subscribers or so, and you know maybe ten posts or something like that. And eventually the sort of the imposter syndrome took over. Like. I got this feeling like I, you know, what am I doing? Like I don't really know design. Like I'm, I'm just learning. Who am I to be blogging about this? And so that really hurt my, uh, hurt that project. I think uh, it's still online, but um, you know, I don't think it much gets my traffic or anything. So one of the things I'm picking up on here is it's not just the projects that you're doing, but each one sort of is an opportunity to try out a new technique or tactic or something that you've discovered, whether it's the don't break the chain calendar thing on your eBay project or content marketing with Design with Dave. Um, it sounds like you've done your homework on other you know, tactics and approaches and you've tried them, but they haven't always given you the result you're looking for. Uh, I'm curious what it was about the... 30 by 500 approach in particular that resonated for you? Yeah. So the 30 by 500 approach, really Safari, I think is, is the big thing that sort of flipped the switch for me. A lot of the online business advice out there and a couple, I know I'd done a couple of courses and communities and that kind of thing. And they tend to emphasize, you know, write down a lot of stuff that you're good at and then kind of intersect that with what people will pay for and then go find those people and ask them if they'll pay and then build the product. So the idea and then validating it. My attempts at products had been neither of those. Like it, it was just kind of like, this is a thing that scratches my own itch. Uh, maybe there's a market for it. I'll try building it and see what happens. And so 30 by 500 with, with the Safari approach really gave me confidence that, you know, there are people that have this, this problem out there that I can help. And instead of just shooting in the dark based on like a couple problems that I have myself. I imagine part of that confidence also comes from the audience that you chose to do safari on because in the past you had done the ebay thing and then design audiences and it doesn't sound like you were part of those audiences was the react audience the original audience that you chose for doing your 30 by 500 research no so when i came into 30 by 500 the advice was to choose an audience that you're you're a part of and my initial feeling with that was kind of apprehension like i was you know i do this all day i don't want to do the same thing when i come home you know but you know i i, I followed the process. I was like, this will be okay. I'll just try it out. So I was using the Angular library then. 
AngularJS 1.0. It's a JavaScript library. So I started blogging about that. And it was probably probably about a year into it, Angular 2, like the next version of this library came out. And um, I was testing it out and really decided I, I didn't like it at all. And um, I thought, you know, if I have to keep writing about this, I'll, I'll probably just give up. So I tried out this other kind of alternative framework called React and um, enjoyed that one much more and decided I'm, I'm going to try writing about React instead. It's still like still JavaScript developers, so it's not a total switch. But I think I'd built up an email list at that point of maybe a thousand people or so. And I, I was so afraid that they'd, they'd all just leave. Like the first time I mentioned React, they'd be like, never mind. And <laughs> just just all unsubscribe. It turned out that that didn't materialize at all. I, I, I lost a couple people, but the fear didn't really materialize. So ultimately, the right decision in spite of your fears. Uh, I'm curious, you know, you, you push forward and you know that people aren't unsubscribing, but maybe what I really want to know is what signals did you have that what you were doing for that audience, with that audience, was actually having an impact? So I guess uh, around this time I had been kind of corresponding with my subscribers a little bit. I set up an auto email that would go out a day after they signed up to say, hey, welcome to the list. Do you have any questions? That was kind of fun, like to start interacting with people and to start getting some unsolicited feedback from people saying, hey, this post really helped me. That really kind of fueled my progress a lot there. It sounds like the big difference here is that strangers are now reaching out to you. You create one piece of thing that you know is going to be useful, and now people are reaching out to you. Yeah. Yeah, I think having that confidence of having done Safari and, and being taking notes on what people are struggling with kind of gives me a, a confidence that the stuff that I'm writing about isn't just pulled out of thin air. And you know, prior to this blog, I was kind of picking topics at random, and you know, with the with the React audience and the Angular audience too, I I could answer people's questions basically in in the form of blog posts, and I kind of knew that at least it would help one person. Actually, that that idea of like just helping one person or just getting one share or one comment or one subscriber that also kind of helped to the feedback loop because not every post is a, is a smashing success. I mean, most of them aren't right. And, and for those posts where I thought it was going to do well, but it didn't, I could, I could look at, Hey, at least I, I got one subscriber. This is, this is good. I'll keep going. And next week I'll write another one. That's awesome. So just calibrating your expectations too made a big difference. Yeah. I'd love to maybe put this on a timeline just to give people that are listening an idea of how long you're working on each different part of the process. Yeah. So, so the timeline is something like I joined 30 by 500 pioneers in it was like March, 2015. I think the lessons came out in April. I went back and looked. My first blog post was April 26th. So like a handful of days after that first, uh, first set of lessons came out. That's pretty fast. <laughs> yeah. Um, but the, the first one that I actually shared wasn't until a couple weeks later. Reflecting back on that first post. So at that point, you've got like max five or six days of experience with the curriculum, with Safari. Like you've published before, so that's not entirely new. But w what was different this time around? So I had a little more confidence that someone might actually read it or that it might actually help someone if they stumbled upon it. So I, I sort of wasn't worried about that. I, I was like, I'll just get the thing out there just kind of get in the habit of like, this is how I, how I write a blog post. This is how I publish it. And then kind of worry about sharing it later. Like within a year and a half, I had like around 2,500 subscribers. And that was the list that you launched your first product to. Yeah. So you've been spending time with your React audience. You've been doing your Safari. You're turning out e-bombs. Is it you know, weekly, every other week? Did you have a rhythm down? I was trying to do roughly weekly, you know, every now and then I'd slip and I'd skip a couple of weeks. 
after a while, I sort of got into the habit enough that it was kind of always in the back of my mind, like, oh, I should write a post this week. And I'd, I'd start feeling it like, oh, I, I haven't wrote, written a post in a long time. Yeah, building that habit definitely makes a big difference, and even if you're not doing it perfectly. I'm wondering where it was that you shifted gears from working on e-bombs every week to actually working on your first product. Um, so it was about a year after I'd started. And what was the pain that you had zeroed in on through your Safari to, to create a product to, to help solve? So I found that beginners to, uh, beginners to React were getting super overwhelmed by all the stuff there is to learn. So I wanted to give them a slimmed down version of like, here's like one very specific path forward. And so, so that's, what, that's what I based the book around. I had a tough time kind of scaling it down from like, I want to cover everything. And especially compared to other you know, other products in that space that cover sort of like full stack development or something. They, they cover a lot more stuff. So I felt like, oh, mine mine's going to be like this tiny little sliver. Maybe no one will really want this. But uh, before I started the book, I sort of went through and outlined everything. Just so I had a rough idea of what I was going to talk about and gave them exercises and kind of wanted to kind of create the structure of like tiny wins for them too. And I think that was kind of another kind of unexpected takeaway that this whole idea of like learning things in small chunks and making sure you're kind of making consistent progress and feeling those wins that I tried to embed in my product too. And I think that has worked out pretty well. That's awesome. So you've put in all the work, you followed all the steps. Let's go back to launch day. You've got your finger on the button. What was going through your head on launch day? So I, I kicked off the launch, I think the end of July and launch day was August 2nd. And so I took the day off from work I was like, I'm not going to be useful at all this day, so I'm just going to stay <laughs> home and, and monitor this. So I had the the email was scheduled to go off at 9 a.m., and so I woke up super early. It was like Christmas morning, <laughs> and uh, I, I was just like watching the watching my email, and uh, one guy actually bought the book before the first email went out. Thanks, Nick, if you're, if you're out there. I still owe you a beer. <laughs> he's, uh, he's actually still a subscriber. I checked. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I felt bad. Like he, I, I was going to include a discount code in the email and he bought it without the discount. And I, I tried to like refund him the $8 or whatever it was. <laughs> but uh, so that would, that felt like a good, a good sign. Like, oh, hey, if someone's buying before I even send the emails, it's good. So yeah, so the email went out and people, people actually started buying it. And it was a, it was an awesome feeling. That's really cool, man. Nothing like that, that first sale from a stranger. Yeah, absolutely. That's cool. What was some of the feedback that you started getting from people about this? So I actually, um, you know, I was kind of worried about the focus of the book and being so narrow and that kind of thing. But actually, it seemed like people really enjoyed that. So I've gotten some some uh, feedback from readers saying that, like, I love that you focused only on React. They liked the way the book focused on one thing at a time and layered on new things gradually. That's kind of felt like that I chose a good way to teach it because after all this work of, you know, building an audience and building a product and stuff, hopefully it actually helps people. And so it's great to great to see that it actually is helping people, which I also kind of have to give some credit to um, Kathy Sierra's book, Badass, which was required reading for the course while we waited for the lessons to come out, which was <laughs> a really, actually really beneficial delay. I was like <laughs> excited about it. And so it kind of got me to read the book and that was, that was a great book. Would you be, be game to share a little bit about what those launch numbers ended up looking like? Yeah, sure. Um, so I recently relaunched it. I, I can talk about that later, I guess. But I think I broke $1,000 on launch day. And by the time the, the discount closed and the kind of the launch window ended, it was, it was $2,500. 
Nice. Very nice. Or how long was the launch window itself? It's about a week. And so the the book is actually kept selling pretty well between um, the initial launch and this relaunch. So the um, the relaunch brought in like around 4200 but like lifetime sales are, I think I'm like one sale away from $15,000. That's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. I think that the biggest thing that, and then this kind of keeps, keeps me going too, is the feeling of helping people is just, is awesome. Um, I didn't really realize, you know, I'd done a little bit of teaching in the past, like I was a TA and stuff and I, I enjoy teaching, but kind of this ongoing feeling of like, I get emails from people saying that they really got a lot out of my post or they love the book or something. It's great. It feels like I'm, you know, actually making a real difference for, for real individuals instead of just, you know, churning out code and widgets or whatever. Now that you've learned that you can do these things and you've sort of seen how the bricks stack, what are you aspiring to now, now that you know you can create and ship products that sell? Yeah. So I think I want to do some sort of larger product, probably some sort of course, maybe videos or something like that. Whether that's an add-on to the book or a separate thing, I don't know. That's great. And and as we wrap up, I'm wondering if there's something that, whether it's in the course itself or when you we're just getting into products to begin with. Is there something that you wish someone would have told you or maybe even something people did tell you and you didn't listen to? I kind of wish I had accepted the fact that this whole business thing takes a while. You know, there's so much information out there. You know, you see people doing, you know, $30,000 in their first business in their first month and that kind of thing. And it just sets this, I think, unrealistic picture of how common is that really? And I, I guess I still don't really know, but I know from experience that it can take a while. And going into it, you know, I thought like I had this idea that I, I wanted that quick success, like all these launches that I'd heard about and that sort of thing. But two years in now, I kind of look back and say, you know, I'm really happy with where I am and I'm proud that I've made it this far and kept shipping things. Cause I, uh, before this, you know, a lot of projects would kind of fizzle out and I wouldn't, wouldn't get that far with them. Dave, this has been really fun to catch up with you. Where can people go online to check out you, check out your book? My my main site is davesedia.com. It's C-E-D-D-I-A. And I'm like dsedia on Twitter. Awesome, Dave. Cool, man. Well, I hope you enjoy your weekend. Thanks again for taking the time to share with us. Thanks, Alex. Absolutely. We'll talk soon. Talk to you later. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Dave. I hope you learned a lot, took some good notes, and I hope you're inspired to try some of the things that Dave has done as well. If you want to make sure you get the next episode of Stacking the Bricks, our exclusive behind-the-scenes interview with Brennan done in the early days that led him from Airbnb for home-cooked meals, bad idea, to the first version of WR Freelancing Rate, the eventual WR Freelancing Empire, and his new product, writemessage.io. Make sure you're subscribed to Stacking the Bricks in your favorite podcast listening app. You can also go to stackingthebricks.com, check out our latest posts, our latest episodes of the show. And if you don't want to miss a thing, make sure you're on our newsletter as well. That's it for this week. And until next time, keep on stacking those bricks.